Hi, and welcome to Fido, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. By now, I'm betting you've realized that this is a third princess tale. See? Rule of threes. In this episode, we're talking about Snow White. There are still a lot of Snow White-like stories around, but this one seems to be pretty heavily German, so I went straight to the Brothers Grimm to begin with. Their tale was called Schneewittchen, which is Low German for Snow White, and then found a translation by Margaret Hunt from sometime in the 19th or early 20th century. I couldn't find a date, but she lived between 1831 and 1912, so I'm inferring. This ended up being a lot of fun to look into, and I was led down a rabbit trail of English pronunciation. Here's what happened. I was reading the story to record, and I had been reading the word thou as you might expect. Thou. Then I get to the end, and I find one of the mirror's rhymes. In it, the mirror couples the word thou with the word tro. Tro being a word that means think or believe. But I couldn't justify a rhyming couplet that was that far off, so I dug into the word thou and its original pronunciation. And what followed was two or three hours of listening to a man by the name of Ben Crystal explain the best reproduction of the Elizabethan English accent. It's the one that Shakespeare wrote for. And in that accent, it seems possible, or even likely, that thou and tro were more likely though and tro. So, then I went back to the editor, and I re-recorded parts of the story to reflect that possibility. I definitely recommend, by the way, looking into Ben Crystal's lectures on YouTube about original Shakespearean pronunciation. It breathes life into the plays and poems unlike anything I've ever heard. And Ben, if you hear this, get in touch with me about a guest reading, okay? There, I'm sure that will work. All right, more after the story. But let's get into it. And now, as recorded by the Brothers Grimm and translated by Margaret Hunt, Snow White. Once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the flakes of snow were falling like feathers from the sky, a queen sat at a window sewing, and the frame of the window was made of black ebony. And whilst she was sewing and looked out of the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty upon the white snow, and she thought to herself, Would that I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Soon after that, she had a little daughter, who was as white as snow, and as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. She was therefore called Little Snow White, and when the child was born, the queen died. After a year had passed, the king took to himself another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but proud and haughty, and she could not bear that anyone else should surpass her in beauty. 
She had a wonderful looking-glass, and when she stood in front of it and looked at herself in it and said, Looking-glass, looking-glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? The looking-glass answered, Though, O queen, art the fairest of all. Then she was satisfied, for she knew that the looking-glass spoke the truth. But little Snow White was growing up and grew more and more beautiful. When she was seven years old, she was as beautiful as the day, and more beautiful than the queen herself. And once, when the queen asked her looking-glass, "'Looking-glass, looking-glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all?' It answered, "'Thou art fairer than all who are here, Lady Queen, but more beautiful still is Snow White as I ween.' Then the queen was shocked, and turned yellow and green with envy. From that hour, whenever she looked at little Snow White, her heart heaved in her breast. She hated the maiden so much. And envy and pride grew higher and higher in her heart like a weed, so that she had no peace day or night. She called a huntsman and said, Take the child away into the forest. I will no longer have her in my sight. Kill her. The huntsman obeyed and took her away. But when he had drawn his knife and was about to pierce little Snow White's innocent heart, she began to weep and said, "'Ah, dear huntsman, leave me my life. I will run away into the wild forest and never come home again.' And as she was so beautiful, the huntsman had pity on her and said, "'Run away then, you poor child. The wild beasts will soon have devoured you,' thought he. And yet it seemed as if a stone had been rolled from his heart, since it was no longer needful for him to kill her. But now the poor child was all alone in the great forest, and so terrified that she looked at every leaf of every tree and did not know what to do. Then she began to run, and ran over sharp stones and through thorns, and the wild beasts ran past her, but did her no harm. She ran as long as her feet would go, until it was almost evening. Then she saw a little cottage, and went into it to rest herself. Everything in the cottage was small, but neater and cleaner than can be told. There was a table on which was a white cover, and seven little plates, and on each plate a little spoon. Moreover, there were seven little knives and forks, and seven little mugs. Against the wall stood seven little beds side by side, and covered with snow-white counterpanes. Little Snow White was so hungry and thirsty that she ate some vegetables and bread from each plate, and drank a drop of wine out of each mug, for she did not wish to take all from one only. Then— as she was so tired, she laid herself down on one of the little beds, but none of them suited her. One was too long, another too short. But at last she found that the seventh one was right, so she remained in it, said a prayer, and went to sleep. When it was quite dark, the owners of the cottage came back. They were seven dwarves who dug and delved into the mountains for ore. They lit their seven candles, and, as it was now light within the cottage, they saw that someone had been there, for everything was not in the same order in which they had left it. The first said, "'Who has been sitting on my chair?' The second, "'Who has been eating off my plate?' The third, "'Who has been taking some of my bread?' The fourth, "'Who has been eating my vegetables?' The fifth, "'Who has been using my fork?' The sixth, "'Who has been cutting with my knife?' The seventh, "'Who has been drinking out of my mug?' Then the first looked round and saw that there was a little hole on his bed, and he said, "'Who has been getting into my bed?' The others came up, and each called out, "'Somebody has been lying in my bed, too.' 
But the seventh, when he looked at his bed, saw little Snow White, who was lying fast asleep therein. And he called the others, who came running up, and they cried out with astonishment, and brought their seven little candles, and let the light fall on little Snow White. "'Oh, oh!' cried they. "'What a lovely child!' And they were so glad that they did not wake her up, but let her sleep on in the bed. And the seventh dwarf slept with his companions, one hour with each, and so got through the night. The next morning little Snow White awoke, and was frightened when she saw the seven dwarves, but they were friendly, and asked her what her name was. "'My name is Little Snow White,' she answered. "'How have you come to our house?' said the dwarves. Then she told them that the wicked queen had wished to have her killed, but that the huntsman had spared her life, and that she had run for the whole day, until at last she had found their dwelling. The dwarves said, "'If you will take care of our house, cook, make the beds, wash, sew, and knit, and if you will keep everything neat and clean, you may stay with us, and you shall want for nothing.' "'Yes,' said Little Snow White, "'with all my heart,' and she stayed with them. She kept the house in order for them. In the mornings they went to the mountains and looked for copper and gold. In the evenings they came back, and then their supper had to be ready. The maiden was alone the whole day, so the good dwarves warned her and said, "'Beware of the queen. She will soon know that you are here. Be sure to let no one come in.' But the queen, believing that little Snow White was dead, could not but think that she herself was again the first and most beautiful of all. She went to her looking-glass and said, "'Looking-glass, looking-glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all?' And the glass answered, "'O queen, thou art fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, little Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she.' Then she was astounded, for she knew that the looking-glass never spoke falsely, and she knew that the huntsman had betrayed her, for that little Snow White was still alive. And so she thought and thought again how she might kill her, for so long as she herself was not the fairest in the whole land, envy let her have no rest. And when she had at last thought of something to do, she painted her face and dressed herself like an old peddler woman, and no one could have known her. In this disguise she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves, and knocked at the door and cried, "'Pretty things to sell, very cheap, very cheap!' Little Snow White looked out at the window and called, "'Good day, my dear woman. What have you to sell?' "'Good things, pretty things,' she answered. "'Stay laces of all colors,' and she pulled out one which was woven of bright-colored silk. "'I may let the worthy old woman in,' thought little Snow White, and she unbolted the door and bought the pretty laces. "'Child,' said the old woman, "'what a fright you look. Come, I will lace you properly for once.' Little Snow White had no suspicion, but stood before her, and let herself be laced with the new laces. But the old woman laced so quickly and laced so tightly that little Snow White lost her breath and fell down as if dead. "'Now I am the most beautiful,' said the queen to herself, and ran away. Not long afterward, in the evening, the seven dwarves came home. But how shocked they were when they saw their dear little Snow White lying on the ground, and that she neither stirred nor moved, and seemed to be dead. They lifted her up, and, as they saw that she was laced too tightly, they cut the laces. Then she began to breathe a little, and after a while came to life again. When the dwarves heard what had happened, they said, The old peddler woman was no one else than the wicked queen. Take care and let no one come in when we are not with you. But the wicked woman, when she had reached home, went in front of the glass and asked, Looking-glass, looking-glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? 
and it answered as before. O queen, thou art fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, little Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. When she heard that, all her blood rushed to her heart with fear, for she saw plainly that little Snow White was alive again. But now, she said, I will think of something that shall put an end to you, and by the help of witchcraft which she understood, she made a poisonous comb. Then she disguised herself and took the shape of another old woman. So she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves, knocked at the door, and cried, Good things to sell! Cheap! Cheap! Little Snow White looked out and said, Go away! I cannot let anyone come in! I suppose you may look, said the old woman, and pulled the poisonous comb out and held it up. It pleased the maiden so well that she let herself be beguiled and opened the door. When they had made a bargain, the old woman said, Now I will comb you properly for once. Poor little Snow White had no suspicion and let the old woman do as she pleased. But hardly had she put the comb in her hair than the poison in it took effect, and the maiden fell down senseless. You paragon of beauty, said the wicked woman, you are done for now. And she went away. But fortunately it was almost evening, and the seven dwarves came home, and when they saw little Snow White lying as if dead upon the ground, they at once suspected the queen. They looked and found the poison comb, scarcely had they taken it out, when little Snow White came to herself and told them what had happened. Then they warned her once more to be upon her guard, and to open the door to no one. The queen, at home, went in front of the glass and said, "'Looking-glass, looking-glass, on the wall!' Who in this land is the fairest of all? Then it answered as before, O queen, thou art fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, little Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. When she heard the glass speak thus, she trembled and shook with rage. Little Snow White shall die, she cried, even if it costs me my life. Thereupon she went into a secret, lonely room where no one ever came, and there she made a very poisonous apple. Outside it looked pretty, white with a red cheek, and so every one who saw it longed for it, but whoever ate a piece of it must surely die. When the apple was ready, she painted her face and dressed herself as a countrywoman, and so she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves. She knocked at the door. Little Snow White put her head out of the window and said, I cannot let anyone in. The seven dwarves have forbidden me. It is all the same to me, answered the woman. I shall soon get rid of my apples. There, I will give you one. No, said little Snow White, I dare not take anything. Are you afraid of poison, said the old woman. Look, I will cut the apple in two pieces. You eat the red cheek, I will eat the white. The apple was so cunningly made that only the red cheek was poisoned. Little Snow White longed for the fine apple, and when she saw that the woman ate part of it, she could resist no longer, and stretched out her hand and took the poisonous half. But hardly had she a bit of it in her mouth, than she fell down dead. Then the queen looked at her with a dreadful look, and laughed aloud, and said, White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony wood, this time the dwarves cannot wake you up again. And when she asked of the looking-glass at home, Looking-glass, looking-glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? It answered at last, O queen, in this land thou art fairest of all. 
Then her envious heart had rest, so far as an envious heart can have rest. The dwarves, when they came home in the evening, found little Snow White lying upon the ground. She breathed no longer and was dead. They lifted her up, looked to see whether they could find anything poisonous, unlaced her, combed her hair, washed her with water and wine. But it was all of no use. The poor child was dead and remained dead. They laid her upon a bier, and all seven of them sat round it and wept for her, and wept three days long. Then they were going to bury her, but she still looked as if she was living, and still had her pretty red cheeks. They said, We could not bury her in the dark ground, and they had a transparent coffin of glass made, so that she might be seen from all sides. They laid her in it, and wrote her name upon it in golden letters, and that she was a king's daughter. Then they put the coffin out upon the mountain, and one of them always stayed by it to watch it, and birds came too, and wept for little Snow White. First an owl, then a raven, and last a dove. And now little Snow White lay a long, long time in the coffin. She did not change, but looked as if she were asleep, for she was as white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. It happened, however, that a king's son came into the forest and went to the dwarf's house to spend the night. He saw the coffin on the mountain, and the beautiful little Snow White within and read what was written upon it in golden letters. Then he said to the dwarves, Let me have the coffin, I will give you whatever you want for it. But the dwarves answered, We will not part with it for all the gold in the world. Then he said, Let me have it as a gift, for I cannot live without seeing little Snow White. I will honor and prize her as my dearest possession. As he spoke in this way, the good dwarves took pity upon him, and gave him the coffin. And now the king's son had it carried away by his servants on their shoulders, and it happened that they stumbled over a tree stump, and with the shock the poisonous piece of apple, which little Snow White had bitten off, came out of her throat, and before long she opened her eyes, lifted up the lid of the coffin, sat up, and was once more alive. "'Oh, where am I?' she cried. The king's son, full of joy, said, "'You are with me,' and told her what had happened, and said, "'I love you more than anything in the world.' Come with me to my father's palace, you shall be my wife. And little Snow White was willing, and went with him, and their wedding was held with great show and splendor. But the wicked queen was also bidden to the feast. When she had arrayed herself in beautiful clothes, she went before the looking-glass and said, Looking-glass, looking-glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? The glass answered, O queen, of all here the fairest art thou. But the young queen is fairer by far, as I trow. Then the wicked woman uttered a curse, and was so wretched, so utterly wretched, that she knew not what to do. At first she would not go to the wedding at all, but she had no peace, and must go to see the young queen. And when she went in she knew little Snow White, and she stood still with rage and fear, and could not stir. But iron slippers had already been put upon the fire and they were brought in with tongs and set before her. Then she was forced to put on the red-hot shoes and dance until she dropped down dead. There is a lot going on in this one, and I found that there's some stuff that isn't here to talk about as well. First of all, that ending. 
Snow White forced her attempted murderer to dance to death in iron shoes before the court. A little searching revealed that hot boots were a thing, and I decided not to dig too deeply into that particular research. I think it's interesting that Snow White and her court conspired to draw the murderous queen out and to have her executed at the wedding. Not exactly the traditional first dance that people are accustomed to. In some versions of this tale, but omitted from this translation for some reason, was a request by Snow White's stepmother for the huntsman to bring her Snow White's lung and liver as proof that he had killed her. And yes, you guessed it, she wants to eat them. In the versions that include it, the huntsman kills an animal and brings its lung and liver instead to fool the queen. There certainly have been a lot of queens trying to eat children in these stories lately. I would imagine that this has to do with the fact that the queen is clearly a witch, and there is folklore about the idea of witches using cannibalism to gain power. Maybe to preserve youth and beauty? Okay, so here's an interesting piece of information that I happened across when I was researching Snow White. It's possible that Snow White is based on a real person. There are a handful of possibilities, it seems, but the one that caught my eye concerns a young baroness named Maria, born in 1725, and whose stepmother disliked and took advantage of her. Maria's father gifted her stepmother with a mirror, said to be magic, that always tells the truth, and that is still on display in the Spessart Museum in Germany. A quick Google will show you some pictures of the infamous talking mirror itself. Another thing I noticed was that when Snow White finds the house where the dwarves live, the story is very reminiscent of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It turns out this story is older than that one, but I have to think that Goldilocks borrows this idea. I expect we'll get around to Goldilocks at some point. This is the second time she's come up. The dwarves, by the way, didn't have names until a stage version of Snow White in 1912. But they weren't the names you know from the Disney movie in 1937. They were originally Blick, Flick, Glick, Snick, Plick, Whick, and Quee. I think I'm going to stick with those. Now, laying aside the fact that the dwarves give Snow White's coffin to a prince, the last thing I wanted to mention is how quickly princes and princesses seem to fall deeply in love in these stories. At first... My instinct is to be critical of this archaic, love-at-first-sight dynamic that shows up in your typical happily-ever-after story. But then I thought, we really haven't ever left this behind in our stories. It's remarkable how often two people meet and are completely, earnestly, and irrevocably in love after about, oh, a day and a half. Pick a genre of television and I guarantee it still happens. So, I can't really fault Snow White, or any tale for the same. I could probably give the prince grief for, you know, falling in love with a dead girl. Yeah, that's weird. Well, that about does it for Snow White. I mean, there's always more we could cover, but I want to leave room for all of your comments and questions as well. Speaking of which, I've got a comment about the Cinderella episode this week from listener Jeff Chandler over on Facebook. He says, I still don't understand how the slippers continue to exist when everything else goes away. That has always bothered me since I was young. I hear you, Jeff, and I agree. 
I've thought about this very thing before, and while I don't have any sort of authoritative answer, my own personal theory that helps me sleep at night is that somehow the fact that the shoes were separated while Cinderella made her escape did something to interrupt the enchantment. Maybe without their partner, they were unable to revert into whatever they were before. And by the time they're reunited, Cinderella's fairy godmother's there to keep them from turning into a pair of acorns or something. It's not much, but it's something. Thanks for commenting, and if anyone else has any theories, feel free to let me know. Alright, I want to thank you all again for tuning in. As always, if you're enjoying yourself, subscribe on your platform of choice. I'm on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Also, follow me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Fado Podcast. And definitely send any comments and questions you might have, or leave a review. I appreciate it. Watch for Episode 8 on July 12th. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time.